1: my name is Seb Philpott
2: and I'm Verity Simmons and this is three in a bar
1: yes it is (laughs) um thank you for for joining us uh this could be your uh, 15th time of listening uh (laughs) that is the number of episodes we've done it is
2: this is number 15
1: Um, or it could be your first time listening but
2: uh don't be ashamed of that that's fine please
1: welcome along um it's good to have you um who do we have uh in the box this week
2: oh i just have a quick check oh it's only rachel lander
1: oh only rachel lander fantastic what what a great guest she was
2: she was absolutely brilliant she is an amazing cellist she's a freelance cellist and she i mean she's everywhere she does sessions she's in the west end she is a freelance orchestral player but More than that, she has come to talk to us about something actually really very serious. Um, She actually suffered with alcoholism, from her early 20s, and anxiety as well, to top it off. Um, and she talks very, very eloquently about this, and we were so delighted that she came come and chat so openly with us about it, weren't we? Yeah. Because this has been such a taboo subject, I'd say, in the music yeah. industry for years, hasn't it? And finally, somebody's speaking up. In fact, you were saying this, actually, I think, in the interview, that like, yeah. when you Google alcoholism in orchestras or help support for musicians her name is pretty much the only one who comes up isn't it
1: yeah there's not many people talking about it and it is a very big issue thankfully she is and um you know she's kind of a a sort of person that people turn to if people have problems we cover all that and and at the end there'll be lots of um We'll talk about some links to yeah. various places you can go if you are affected. And there will also be uh, links in the show notes as well. But yeah. uh, it was so nice to chat to her. She's so, she's very funny and, yeah. um, you know, she's, she's played on so many records. If, if you've, and, and TV things and films, if you go to her website, uh, rachellandacello.com, you'll see all the different things she's done. Yeah. Um, I first met her doing Follies at the National Theatre, and um that what a was cracking great being,
2: show yeah oh, brilliant so being good a big
1: big 20 20 or so piece orchestra but she's oh she's played with everyone she's a proper good musician
2: she really really is and total inspiration because having taken a year out of playing she's come back and it's like she's everywhere <laughs> she's yeah. so good
1: let's let her tell her story yes and, uh here we go this is the conversation we had with rachel lander You were going to do a podcast then. Did you start looking into it? What was that going to be about? Uh,
3: Well, I sort of wanted... Well, I mean, what what do I wang on about normally is about, Mm. (laughs) you know, musicians and mental health because I just think musicians are really fascinating. And I think... Yeah. Just to actually want to do this for a living you have to be a little bit weird don't you i mean to go to music college as a string player especially and be like right i'm going to i'm going to practice for 4 hours a day scales in sixths and thirds and musicians are quite fascinating because i think you have to have so much resilience to sort of do it in the in a professional way as well that, that you have to cope yeah. with so much kind of you know pressure and rejection and difficult teachers and you know stuff at a young age and i just think i don't know i just i think musicians are really this is why lockdown's been so difficult cuz i miss just talking to people that i work with like musicians yeah. are great aren't they yeah <laughs> interesting yeah. and funny and you know so yeah that it was just going to be about that but i um did the breeding instead so what are you going to do <laughs>
0: yeah. wow.
3: No, it takes up so much time. Honestly, yeah. ever so time consuming. I've
1: heard it. It does. You've right? yeah.
3: That. yeah, you've I've got heard. all this to come.
1: I know. <laughs> you know, really? I'm about to have one. I know you are. In July. I know. Yeah. I'm so
3: excited. Yeah. I didn't believe that. Like so You kept that yeah. really quiet. You're like, oh, hang on, wait, halfway through this second trimester, and put it
0: on <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: social media.
1: I did. Did I put? No, I didn't really. Well, I basically I'd started to tell people. Yeah. Just in the flesh, and then then this all happened. So. So then, I didn't really put. Anything. I, I mentioned it on the podcast, but I don't think anyone really listens to it. So yeah, that's,
2: uh, a, that's a spirit. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. your mum found out that way, which is good. And...
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, mum, we're pregnant. We've got a month to go. Um, yeah, so I started putting some things on the internet. But uh, yeah, you know. and that
3: you've bought all the stuff. I saw that. Yeah, as well, well when you're given clutching it. a nappy bin like oh god yeah i wow. bought a nappy
1: bin for for about two pounds
3: excellent and So good we yeah. bought
1: a we bought a cot for seven pounds
3: yeah people are desperate to get rid of this stuff yeah because it takes it's up loads of space
1: yeah yeah I, I was thinking about this because it's the sort of thing that you would because it's, it's your baby so you, you mm. just want to spend as much money as you as you physically can on it so you could spend <laughs> thousands on a push chair yeah no, like, like, i mean like when you first find out you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. you see you know, your hardened mothers <laughs> yeah exactly but but when you first find out you're pregnant you go oh let's just let's get everything the best thing yeah. possible so there's this there's this like amazing it's an amazing market out there because mm. people just buy so much yeah. shit and then two years later they got to get rid of it all yeah.
2: i know so or the, you get rid then of I it i come
1: in take it yeah, yeah, yeah get it get yeah. it and then, leave yeah. it outside your front door exactly
2: yeah I just remember as well um, that you turn up to like um to like some meeting afterwards, like maybe NCT group or whatever, and everyone, like you've gone along, you're really chuffed with your bargain push chair that you've mm. bought. It's like, yeah, I've got a good one. Everyone's got this yeah. the bloody O baby or whatever it's called. You know, really posh little city thing. Oh, I felt like I'd really done badly then. It was very upsetting. <laughs> right. Boshing along with poor old Theo bumping down the road. <laughs> No, I don't believe yeah. the
3: hype. Like, I think I had an eight-pound McLaren that just, like, banged down tube station stairs. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. How <laughs> yeah, it's
2: fine. How are, you, how are you finding it with the kids there? Having a, 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 a total joy? Really straightforward, this whole process? Wait, wait, what, the lockdown, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't want to use the L word. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, the L word is a dirty word, isn't it?
3: Um, I'm getting on... We're well, OK. I mean, the first three weeks were brutal because they were really ill possibly with oh, the virus but I don't know oh, if it was no. the virus or you know yeah just anything that they could have picked up so that was grim I didn't see another adult for three weeks
2: that was oh, hard hell. and yeah.
3: very wow. lonely and yeah it's been it's been really grueling I won't lie to you I mean I yeah it's been lonely and scary and um hmm. but in other ways I don't know I I as if you're a freelance musician mother, especially mm. as a single parent like I am, I just I spend a lot of time rushing around, like mm. and also leaving the house at six, which feels like the time when everyone wants to be winding down and getting to bed and stuff, is that like I'm that's when I'm putting my black clothes on and going, Bye-bye, see so, you know, and leaving them with a babysitter yeah. or my mum or their dad or whatever. So it's been really nice not to have the mum guilt of working. Mm. Um but yeah, no, it's oh, it's been tough going. It's been tough, but but also amazing,
2: you know. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a roller whole, coaster, isn't it? Well that well that's the whole thing yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's yeah. that's whole life, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, but I heard something great. I heard you playing Julio earlier. Oh, Had a god. little listen. Oh, yeah. Sounded oh, god. flipping brilliant. No, it was awesome. I was looking at thinking, my God, she's been playing. God.
3: Oh my god, I really <laughs> have it. I, I was playing so i could record that that's, all, that's the, all the playing i did to be honest but um that is cool i love like that with, piece. It, with a known with it like a shitty kind of iphone i can't swear it can you swear on this is this a swear? yeah, yeah you can, you can, can swear. Fine. with, with a, you know a shitty kind of iphone camera i don't have like what i kind of think is amazing is how all these people just immediately in lockdown all these decisions were like right i'm gonna have a studio and I'm going to have the right microphones and logic and and that is that that is when I felt like a single parent because it's like yeah I have got zero time and zero no money um to, to do that and then to actually ha- have a quiet time where I can you know lay down some tracks It's just like come on that's not gonna yeah. happen <laughs> not going to happen yeah, um exactly. so i just so anytime that anyone's asked me to do anything it's just like well you can have it through a phone or not at all so yeah yeah quite so, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah.
1: i guess you get you get your, your time becomes so much more valuable isn't it oh
3: yeah like, and you become and there are yeah. loads of positives about like being because you have to be so ruthless work-wise yeah you know mm. because yeah, there's yeah, no yeah, yeah. time so I used to kind of like do lots of procrastinating and shilly-shallying and there just isn't, I mean, now it's like I've got two hours, I'm going to do this thing, you know, I'm much more productive. And also, you know, even in the times types of work you take, like, you know, when you take things and you think, oh, I'm going to regret that, just don't do that because you have to do the maths, the childcare maths, like is this gig worth me leaving the house? And sometimes, quite often, the answer is no, it is not. um so don't take it whereas before I would have just felt like it's that freelance feast or famine fear of like I've got to take everything that comes in um I don't do that anymore there are definite benefits and also uh, like you know I like to wang on about performance anxiety as much as I possibly can whenever anyone asks me um having giving birth was like major um for me in getting over not getting over because I don't feel like I'm I don't over. think you ever get over it but sort of managing performance anxiety because I was I was really lucky in that I could give birth at home the second time and with like no intervention on either time and yeah um I just felt like I had to cope with all this stuff that was happening in my body and just kind of breathe through it and it was so, and I had like a massive baby, <laughs> an enormous baby with no drugs, which was grim, you know. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah. But I don't know, it kind of made the feelings that I was experiencing on stage that I felt like I couldn't manage, like adrenaline and nausea and all those things that you get when you're a bit nervous. I just, yeah. that kind of feels like, no a yeah. big deal wow. anymore, you know, yeah. because I felt I felt very, I was lucky that my birth was a kind of empowering Experience so the the fear levels generally in my body are much less because I've coped with that. If that makes sense, I mean it's a bit of an extreme way of getting.
1: Through performance
3: anxiety, <laughs> get perfect give birth, yeah, yeah, exactly. and then knock
2: those solos out with no shakes. Yeah, face. no props, no props.
1: Yeah. How much of your sort of your personal experience of, of performance anxiety and uh, addiction, yeah, uh, have, have how did that inform your sort of decision on how to give birth and how? Definitely to... Definitely,
3: it did. And actually, yeah. the person who I had a doula, which I know is like a real kind of like oh, yeah. it's almost like a middle class that? dirty word. Well, it's, it's kind huh. of like it's it's a it's like a birthing partner who isn't she's not like a trained midwife but she sort of mothers the mother and looks after the father mm. and is is a kind of go between between you and the midwives so and she yes yeah, so i saw her in like she kind of did things like um help me I mean it sounds it sounds very sort of wishy-washy and I was a bit sort of skeptical and my my ex-husband was really skeptical when it started (laughs) um but about kind of like birth affirmations and sort of things that you can tell yourself about you know and just what and just what the chemical processes are and I'm actually the performance anxiety thing I mean I do say to anyone that sort of asks me about performance anxiety is to educate yourself about what chemicals are going on in your body and what they're going to do because I really feel like knowledge is power when it comes to anything bodily. I think some of the panic that I used to experience when it was really bad was like, why the fuck is my heart going, am I going to have a heart attack? Am I going to projectile vomit? Why am I, my sometimes if it was really bad, my hands would do this. And I'd be like, oh, oh I'm paralyzed. Like, and it yeah. just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. And now yeah. I kind of feel the adrenaline and I kind of go, hey, like, oh, there you are and it's i don't you know because i know what it's going to do i know and i know how powerful right. it is the fight or flight response but yeah. when i but when this like really hit me when it was really bad it was when i was in college
2: hmm.
3: and also i should say you know the 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 only reason why I've had to look at this is because I'm also an alcoholic like you don't you know so not everybody chooses to medicate performance anxiety by carrying a bottle of vodka in their handbag but that's that's the decision that I made when I was that age because it worked like because it really worked like I would have horrible fear getting on a bus or I mean it wasn't just when I was playing it was like all the time and I just treated that kind of straight vodka in a water bottle-like medicine. And so I would have this kind of sick sort of (gasps) panic that would come up and then I would drink straight spirits and that would just (sighs) do like, it was like putting kind of milk of magnesia on the, uh, is that what it calls, milk of magnesia? Um, It just used to calm it all down. And at the beginning it didn't take very much to do that, to just to take the edge off. I never really wanted to drink to do the kind of unbridled hedonism party girl thing I just wanted to feel like normal normal whatever that means yeah um so obviously if you're feared up like that anyway then playing on a stage in a dress you know it that's that's the time where it's going to peak and I just had this really bad experience at college where I was like I was playing principal in the college orchestra and I bloody loved everything about it like I loved it and we went to this place in Shropshire called Oswestry, like a tiny church. Yes. We were doing the El Cello Concerto. I wasn't playing the concerto. Someone else was playing the concerto. We did Schubert Unfinished first. And I started that solo at the beginning of Schubert Unfinished Symphony. And I was like, I'm, I am not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And I started seeing black spots before my... Oh, I mean, God. I, and I held yeah. on. But I did like loads of mad things, like coming in in the wrong place, like bringing a section in in the wrong place, like proper mm. bow shakes... I just thought I have to get off and I made it until the second movement of the concerto and I just had to get up and walk off and the humiliation of it at that age at like how old was I 20 21 Mm -hmm. it was so humiliating and frightening and we had to do the same gig the next night at college in the big kind of college hall I was at the Royal Northern I just thought fuck that I'm not going through that. I, like, I will take beta blockers, I will drink, I will never experience that humiliation again because I know I can do this, like, I, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did, and that's that's how it started. And because I think I started at the bottom of the alcoholic scale, like, when I go to, um you, you know, abstinence-based recovery meetings now, people don't start drinking straight vodka until, like, the end of their drinking careers. Like, it starts right. off yeah. kind of sociable and then it gets, you know. Whereas I think because I started there... My descent was just really fast. So by the time I was 23, I was wholly reliant on alcohol. I had to carry it on me all the time. If I didn't drink, I'd have withdrawals in the mornings, which I didn't know were withdrawals. I thought they were panic attacks. But actually, I later found out that you can die from alcohol withdrawal. You can have fits and seizures and die Oh, wow. I thought heroin was the thing, like cold turkey. You don't die from that. Like alcohol is much more frightening if you've been drinking to that level. So God, the only thing that would take away the panic and the fear was drink, but it made the panic and the fear as well. And also it meant that I couldn't yeah. turn up to work. I stopped playing. Alcoholics, we do this thing where we kind of blame everything else in our lives <laughs> for the yeah. drinking and go, well, it's yeah, because yeah. I'm going out with him or it's because my mum said this or it's, be- or it's because I'm in this Or in my case, it was like... I'm in a really scary profession, so I need to yeah. get out of that profession, and then I won't be so frightened. And I'll drink like a lady. And I remember getting a job as a waitress, and walking to work, and being like jittery, and thinking, "Shit, I don't know how I'm going to talk to these people when I go." And I'll have a, dr- and I had a drink on the way to be a waitress, and I thought, "Oh shit, it's not, uh, it's not playing the cello. It's, yeah. it's me. It's me." Yeah. So, um, so I feel very lucky now that it was like short and sharp. Yeah. And. Yeah. By the time I was twenty three it was it was not a viable option to keep drinking how I was drinking and it was and I was gonna and actually what happened was a friend of mine, a violinist friend of mine, she called my dad and said, Rachel's out of control, I don't know what we're gonna Mm. do. And he came and picked me up, he took me to a therapist, the therapist said, You're an alcoholic. Mm. The only thing I know that works is twelve step recovery. I suggest you go. Mm. And I did, and that was yeah, like nearly 13 years ago now. But wow. it was really depressing to be like, oh, I'm 23. And like, I remember, because I didn't think I was going to play ever again because I was so frightened of picking a drink up again that I thought, well, I can't play. So that's, that's that. And my parents are musicians who divorced and remarried other musicians professionally. So I'm like, so it's like, wow. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I was like, well, that was all parental pressure anyway, you know, and I just had all these reasons why oh, I didn't so, want to yeah. play, you know. But I was gutted, obviously. And I remember, like, friends of mine, we just graduated college, like, two years before. People were kind of doing post-grad years in Vienna and on trial with the LPO and stuff. And I was temping in the job centre in Birkenhead on Librium, trying to come off alcohol. And I was thinking, what the fuck is wrong with this picture? Like, how did this happen? And I couldn't listen to classical music. I, I, like... Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was horrendous. It was, and I, and the saddest thing was, is that I just thought that was how it was going to be. Yeah. You know. And Do was you think no your solution. parents
2: knew at the time before your friend no. got in touch? Not no. at all. So did you manage? it? Were you aware that you were hiding from them? Or yeah. And just like, well, being well, it, aware? it was.
3: It was living like it was honestly like living a double life because yeah. like the thing about being an alcoholic is really it's really tiring because you have oh, to yeah. plan ahead like because you can't run out you cannot run out so even just getting rid of the bottles getting enough um hiding the bottles all of that mm. it's yes. it's like a full-time job really yeah. and I used, and yeah i mean i i'm i, I feel when i came into recovery and i was obviously young i was going mm. to meetings and i was thinking fucking hell like i'm 23, like how would and say and even saying you know my name's Rachel I'm an alcoholic like i just thought Oh, God. Am I an alcohol? You know, just... Yeah. Because cause the thing is about it, what people don't realise is that it's not a choice in the end. If you're in active no. addiction, it's not because I chose to pick up that drink. I desperately did not want to pick up that drink, but I had mm. no power of choice. Like, I became... I was powerless. And I think that's what's so difficult about being nice about <laughs> active addicts, because it looks like willfulness. It looks like, fuck you, fuck this, I'm going to drink. I want to... And actually... There was no choice in the end because I'm an no. alcoholic, but the the bugger about it is with any addiction is that your brain the addict brain tells you that you don't suffer from it, so denial is a massive part of it, so a lot of people yeah. never get over that part and they never get sober because the denial is louder than yeah. the survival yeah. instinct and i I just got lucky to be honest, and I could still pick up now like i mean i still I don't take it for granted I work really hard um I go to, I mean, even in lo- in lockdown, one of the scariest bits at the beginning was like, how am I going to go to a meeting? How yeah. am I going to go to a meeting? You know,
2: yeah. And how does that work?
3: It will be just on Zoom, like AA, where people oh, in yeah. AA were, I shouldn't t- say AA because it's supposed to be anonymous. Sorry, people in abstinence based recovery is what we'd call it. Yeah. Um, they were amazing. And they just like within days had like a Zoom directory. Every single meeting had gone on to Zoom with a password and a, you know, and, um, that's how we've been doing it, but it's been it's tough. Like I can't wait yeah. to get to a physical meeting because when I sit in there, there's like a kind of energy yeah. <laughs> in that. Sounds yeah. a bit sounds a bit wacky, yeah. but just like oh, I'm where I'm meant to be. And
2: when you went along long term meetings, first of all, um, did you find? I mean, were there any other people of your sort of age? Did you was it off putting going there and feeling on the younger side? Or were you surprised by the demographic?
3: I think well, it was 13 years ago now, so now it depends where you go I got sober Mm. I was in Liverpool right where and so I was the youngest in there and I was one of the only there weren't loads of women either but I still knew I was in the right place because of what people were talking about which was about managing fear basically um and but when I moved down to London sort of seven months into my recovery it kind of blew my mind there are 700 meetings a week loads of people in their 20s, a lot of musicians, like I bumped into people I knew, you know, and wow. it was very, it was much more, it's very different down here. Yeah. Um, but, um, and now I'm just so grateful for it, honestly. Yeah. But, but you know, obviously going to work initially was quite lonely because it's so part of the culture isn't it like yeah it was winding yeah. down after a gig or like even going to the pub between just for like for one between the rehearsal and the gig like i had to keep shield myself away from all of that for quite a yeah. long time yeah. so when i was doing like rock and roll touring as well and that was like an endurance test and oh, I,
2: I, god you know, i bet yeah. it was
3: but then Kind of, but the recovery is kind of amazing. Like I remember touring with my quartet to Tokyo, and like sending an email, and someone from a Tokyo English-speaking meeting picking me up from the airport and taking me to a meeting before I went and did a gig. Like it's an it's it's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, if you kind of reach out, it is there it's just it's the process of getting from maybe I drink too much to actually shit I've got a real problem and I need some help like that journey sometimes is so long that it kills people that's the
1: problem yeah what was there when you when you said that to yourself I am an alcoholic did Mm. it was there a relief there at all or did it take some time to, to come to terms with it it
3: definitely took some time and actually I had a we call them sponsors they're like mentors who's you know a long time so but she said it was like a grieving process so you do all the kind of the five stages of grief like the denial the bargaining the anger all of that and then now like I feel very I feel relieved when I say my name's Rachel I'm an alcoholic like now I feel like I know what my problem is and I know what the solution is and I don't have any shame about it because I'm in a recovery program um but not everybody feels like that there is definitely a stigma definitely of course like
1: yeah
3: um, and yeah. also lots of people just to kind of don't they don't get what the illness or that it is an illness and i didn't understand that either i kept thinking well actually if i was stronger if i was like less of a kind of i don't know if i if i had that more willpower i'd be able to sort this out and i just kept failing and kept failing and then someone said it's because you're powerless
2: i thought mm. oh yeah
3: That's what it is. (laughs) Um, But I I, I never thought that I'd be able to play sober. Like that was a real, like learning how to perform sober and like manage what's going on
2: Yes, because if that was all going on while you were studying and like such Mm. a crucial time in your development as a player and stuff, did you feel like it was sort of affected even your physicality about playing? So did you kind of have to relearn technique or or anything like that?
3: No, actually, because I think... I, I kind of subscribe to this view of, like, if you're going to be a classical musician, you sort of have to work your ass off at one point of your yeah. life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and totally. So some people do yeah. it at college, which is when you're supposed to do it. And I think I did a load before I went to college because I was obsessed about getting into college and I was obsessed about being in the National Youth Orchestra. And I and I was... And I also because I was... I am an addict. So I, I do things compulsively in yeah. a bit of a mad way. So when I was a teenager I'd get up at quarter past five and do an hour of scales before getting on the school bus then I do another hour when I got to school I mean I was really mad about it but yeah so I sort of like bought myself some time I guess yeah. which is a good job because the second I got to college it was just like you know madness yeah. and no practice and just managing anxiety drinking hangovers anxiety drinking like
1: that's was my it full was time par- party time
2: yeah well,
1: <laughs> so yeah, it, yeah, yeah sure. it sounds
2: like it uh, doesn't it yeah. <laughs> yeah. did you feel like the staff at college where your college were helpful did anyone pick up on it there they didn't pick up
3: on the drinking because I didn't tell anyone about the drinking because mm. alcoholism and secrecy and lying go together mm. really well um, my right. teacher was amazing he'd known me since I was 16 and he knew that I was just he knew that I was struggling people did know that I was struggling but I wasn't honest you see and also I was scared to be honest about it. Yeah, of course. Because, because yeah. it's the pressure cooker in there. The com- I mean, I remember 70 cellists being at the college when I was there. Most of them were brilliant. Wow. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I didn't want to be the one that was mad. I didn't want to be the one that was weak because I didn't have any idea about vulnerability or anything mm. or any of those things. Um, And also, I didn't know what was going on with myself. Yeah. I kept thinking, like... I just kept, I just kept blaming all the wrong things. And also just being frightened of what my body was doing, which is a real alcoholic kind of trait, which is like, you know, mm. you feel, we just can't bear feelings. We don't want the feeling. So if I get a feeling, whether it's emotional, physical, whatever, I think, what is this? How long is it going to last? How can I take it away? Like, that's just immediately how my head works. And obviously if you drink straight vodka, it's like, that's all going to be fixed for you like now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to, it's going to be fine. Um, so, loads of my early recovery was just like sitting, especially when I was with the cello, performing. Just going, "Oh my god!" Like what I, I like having to feel the feelings, and sometimes it went awry. Like I'm, not, you know, I've had a, I had to walk off a couple of times. I have done that, but yeah. that was that was really good for me as well because yeah, definitely my, because my career didn't end. Like I thought that was the worst case scenario that I'd, hum- I'd walk off, humiliate myself, and then never be booked ever again, and it would all be over. Those mm. things didn't happen and that took a load of pressure off. So so that's sort of like conversely, I sometimes say to myself, if I feel panicky on stage, I think, well, you can always leave and it's not that big a deal. Yeah. And that sort of makes my body go, Oh, you're all right. Maybe, mm. you know, because I think before I'd do this thing where the feelings would come and I'd just reject them and be like, I don't want to have a bow shake, I don't want this, <clears throat> you know, and I'd panic. And now I kind of go, well bring it on, do your thing. I know it will pass. I know it will pass, but, um, that's great. Yeah, but it's, it's been like, it's been hard. And also the other thing is what I've done is that I've talked about it a lot, which some people have said to me has been professionally unwise, but I just think I have to look at it from a recovery perspective rather than a professionalist perspective. Um, because if I'm not sober, that I can't work anyway. So it's completely irrelevant if and people also, like what people think of And also, if people me. have said yes. that
2: to you, but I mean, have you actually experienced that as being professionally negative? Have you noticed um, anything?
3: Uh, I mean, there's stuff that I, I know that um, I've been unbooked, like I've been taken off the list by a couple of fixes because, I've, because I talk about it openly. I know that that's happened. But I mean, that, but that's fine because I don't want to work for those people, no. <laughs> people anyway. No. But, but yeah. why is that? God. Is that, is that
1: because there's people there that, that may be in denial themselves. Maybe,
3: don't I don't know. So. I mean, the thing is, it, what, what it does, if you stop drinking, you do notice that, I mean, if people say to me, oh, you're not drinking, I say, oh, actually, I'm in recovery, I'm an alcoholic. Like, I never just go, oh, I'm on an antibiotics. I mean, lots of people that I know in recovery do that. They don't tell mm. anybody. But I just, yeah. I I panic. I, I don't want to keep any secrets from myself. Do you know what I mean? Because like if I went to work and people, everyone that I work with pretty much knows that I don't drink. So if I picked up a glass of wine it would be a big thing. And people would be like, whoa, what are you, you know? Yeah. At the beginning, I was so frightened that I would just, like, I used to worry that alcohol would just, like, jump down my throat without me saying anything, you know? And yeah. it kind of made <laughs> me feel safer that people knew that, like, no, she, that girl can't have a drink because it was so frightening, the idea of having a drink. Yeah. And also I just I just think honesty is the best policy always. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I, I do a solo project with a loop station and what I really mm-hmm. like about it is that, I can say to the audience, which is usually at the top of a pub, it's nowhere fancy, you know, but I can say, I'm bricking it because I'm going to press the wrong button and like do, you know, and I just honestly <laughs> yeah. say, fucking hell, absolutely yeah. shitting myself and people just laugh. And then it's like out there and then yeah. I can get on with it. It's, I think it's the, it's the keeping the artifice of like, I've got this, everything's fine. And I think in the classical world, so much of it is about formality and elitism, I'm afraid, and, just you know even if you move around too much in a cello section like that Mm. can you know that can get people who don't like that sometimes you know and i that that trying to conform thing yeah is really difficult and really scary for somebody like me who's wired like me so I just I've had to get to a point where I'm sort of comfortable just that's why the West End's good for me because well I
2: was gonna say to you that's it's interesting you're saying that about anxiety and and being in control like Depping on West End shows is yeah. really scary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you are, I know. But you are fantastic at doing that. And you've got a huge career playing in West End shows. And so how do you find that? How do you f- sort of take control of that situation?
3: Well, there are things for me that, well, I learned the shit out of it before the show. Yeah. I never, ever, I would never wing it. Ever. Like, no. ever, ever. I would know it backwards. That's the first thing. Yeah. Also, I find in the West, if it's your first show, people are going, oh, you know, they're nice about it. They know that you're bricking it and they know you're going to make a mistake. So, I, And I find, I don't know, I find the, I hate the V word, the vibe in a in a pit.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> really like quite a welcoming one, generally. Like I've never really had any, I've never had any beef with anyone a, no. at all. Um, but also I, I like that um, because I'm on my own, I don't have to like do someone else's bowings. I don't have to, you know, I don't yeah. have to conform to anyone else apart from the other strings. And also, now I've been doing it for a few years, I usually know who I'm depping with and it's usually nice to see them and I try and focus on what they're doing and blending with them and kind of getting rid of my... It's So much of it is about um, ego deflation for yeah. me, this, the whole performance anxiety thing, because really when I think about it and when I've talked to my mentors about it, It's just self-obsession writ large, isn't it? It's like, what will people think of me if I play this badly? It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. we're We're not brain surgeons or on the front lines in Basra. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we're... I'm, play, I'm playing a nice tune in a theatre, and I, aren't I lucky? Like, I've had to just check, completely change how I look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I really enjoy it. I love I love depping. I mean, I also yeah. like not doing the same... I mean, having my own... But I've had have, have brief times having my own show. They've only been short runs, but I don't know if I could do the same show for years and years and years, I think, without yeah. going do Lally. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really
2: enjoy it.
1: Mm-hmm. to get through things. Was that, that in that concert or was it? had you started doing that before that?
3: I had probably started it, I've done it a couple of times before that, but after that concert, that was like, okay, so I'm never going on stage ever again without having taken a beta blocker or a Valium if I could get hold of it. Well, that was rats risky, though. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend that. That can go awry. Um, and just having a water bottle next to me that had vodka in it. And actually, I remember doing an education project and a friend of mine going, Can I have a sip of your water? And me being talking to someone else, she sipped it. She was like, What the fuck? Oh. And it was like, Oh God. Oh my God. Yeah. And I had to explain it. I can't, I mean, I don't remember the conversation actually. How'd you explain that? I, I think I just said, I'm, I feel panicky. I have, because pan- my friends knew I had panic attacks. Yeah. And I think, you know, even my closest friends would have said to me, they wouldn't have called me an alcoholic. They'd have said, she's really anxious and she drinks to sort her anxiety out. Like it's because it, it doesn't occur to them either that no. that's what was wrong. Yeah. Um, and I definitely didn't think that sort of being in recovery would, I just thought it was about stopping drinking. And then I'd probably feel like be spend the rest of my life sort of white knuckling it you know like people say yeah. oh god you've got you must have such willpower and it's like if it was to do with willpower i would be fucked like i <laughs> i could not do it with will like if it were, it the, the desire to drink luckily for now for today isn't with me um, and yeah. also because i know that if i drink i have nothing else going on because that's the kind of drinker i am it just like alienates me from everybody and now i have so much to lose um, so I have to work really hard at my recovery, yeah. but like people are, people also ask me like, oh, you still have to go, you still have to go to meetings, like you still have to, you know, they're surprised that it's not like a problem that you fix, and it's about drink, it's yeah. about yeah. dealing with the stuff underneath, the stuff that makes you pick up a drink, and that stuff, yeah. I was, I feel like I was born with that stuff, and it never goes, and it's kind of like people talk about addiction being like whack a mole, you know, like you get rid of one yeah. and another one comes up, so loads of people eat loads of sugar in early recovery, start smoking, gambling, like something's always going on. Yeah. Um, so I have to be really vigilant even now. Yeah. Hmm.
1: But did you, when, when you were drinking at that age, did you sort of know that, that, that people in the industry, the older people and, and for generations have, have gone through similar things? Uh, Did did you know that was, I mean, maybe from stories from your parents or Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I did. Was that in your mind? Yes, I
3: did. And I also, but even, even like the kind of good natured sort of muso drinking after a gig or whatever. Yeah. My drinking didn't fit into that because I would have to be drunk for the gig. So it's like, Mm. I'd kind of already, I was spent by then, you know, so... I mean, and also I think I I did see a lot of people, like I know a lot of people that not just in our industry, you know, in all walks of life that drink heavily and get away with it. Like they don't wake up the next morning and feel like they're looking at the edge of an abyss. And that's just not, that's just not the drinking that I did. It's just, so I used to do a lot of comparing and despairing and, um, people and other people like wiser people in recovery just said it's not about them it's about you like where are you now compared to where you were you know I kept I wanted all the answers like I was like why have I got this like my parents aren't alcoholics like lots of people that I know in recovery come from a long line of drinkers that's not my experience Um, and it's I wanted something like concrete to blame it on because I didn't want the random chaos of just like well I, I just am but now I've sort of I've stopped debating about it and it's just it's just one of those things I have to accept that I just don't drink yeah. like a I don't one glass of wine for me. I've got zero interest in that. Yeah. Zero yeah. interest. It just doesn't occur to me. So by that rationale, which is quite which is quite nice now and not early in, but like I used to not be able to go even for dinner between the rehearsal and the gig, because if someone had a glass of wine in pizza express or whatever other pizzas are available yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um uh you know i couldn't even sort of be around that but ne- but then now i just think god that wouldn't that doesn't appeal to me one drink yeah. like well who has one drink i mean a lot of people do but i just as an alcoholic like that just doesn't interest me at all
2: to so that time when you uh when you stopped playing for a while how long yeah. did, so how long did you stop playing for actually probably
3: about a year i'd right. say
2: that must then, have been really quite painful wasn't it
3: it was so painful it was so painful i mean it was a relief in a way not to try and have to like do it and i also because it was that time of life where you are leaving college it's like audition time and trying to get work mm. and all that and i just was my all my efforts were like you know going to my temp job without having a panic attack without picking up a drink ringing my sponsor mm. going to a meeting that was like my life and I just never thought I'd do it again. And actually, the thing that um, got me back in was that the violinist friend of mine, Kirsty, who called my dad, who I've known since I was like, who's been my best friend since I was eight, she said, This girl's starting a quartet, will you do it? And we accidentally got like a massive gigs, um, <laughs> a bit, <laughs> like quite early on. And some of the first was gig, this Raven? yeah, this is Raven corset yeah. yeah, and we just like one of our first gigs was at the, was at the London Palladium. Amazing. And we arranged. <laughs> but <and we, laughs> the, the thing was about it was it was so brilliant is that we arranged all our own music. So like we had complete like I'll never get that kind of freedom again. Really like so we did things like Foo Fighters and Queens of the Stone Age and Radiohead and like yeah you know and we wrote parts like that suited all of us we did everything from memory we wore jeans like it it just I felt like I mean I was still nervous I still like really struggled for those first few gigs and also we used to back we used to do backing playing like so we'd do a set and then we'd back like another singer like we backed Hayley Westenra for a long time on tour like years actually but because we were with her we got to play these amazing venues um in, like, amazing countries as well. And it was wicked. But sometimes when we were accompanying her and we'd just done a Raven bit that was really kind of, like, energetic, I'd sit down in my heart, I'd be like, this. And it was really hard. And those girls had to rescue me a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think I couldn't have gone like, straight back into sort of, um, like, being an extra in a symphony orchestra. And, like, because the, like playing a slow movement of a concerto when you're sitting, like, number eight... When you just have to be like quiet and still, I just yeah. couldn't have done it. Like no. couldn't have done it. I had to do it the way round that I did it. Um, yeah, yeah. So that quartet cool kind of saved yeah. me. Those girls, yeah. And then one of them threw an egg at Simon Cowell. Britain's <laughs> Got Talent. Yeah. And that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end. <laughs> oh God. And that and that was how it. I mean, it kind of. Yeah, it kind of ended like that, which wasn't wasn't brilliant. No.
2: Yeah, damn it. I
3: remember yeah, at the no. time
1: re- reading um, one of. I think it was you. It what, was me. One of the quartet. Did you write the blog about it? At yeah,
3: all? I did. And then I and then oh, I got I into such that, yeah. trouble for writing that blog yeah. because I forgot that we'd signed an NDA. So I had to oh. take it away oh, no. from everywhere. Yeah, yeah.
1: So can you probably still can't talk about it now?
3: Probably you? still can't talk. No, I think it was. What, no. I think it was like six years or something. Can't right. remember. God, it was so bleak that whole experience. Jesus.
1: Yeah, it sounded it. Yeah.
3: Well, that's but, why um, Natalie did what she did. I think she was just so angry about the whole thing. Also, because she's like, just a bit of a loose cannon. <laughs> I'm sure she won't mind me. I'm sure, she won't mind me saying that. But, um, but yeah, it, we. That was that was that was a bad a bad scene. Um,
2: oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gutting. but such um, a brilliant way to get back in with your friends to get back into exactly. playing and start yeah, it from that point so. of view of it being exactly. a sociable joyous thing yeah yeah I had my the
3: whole because it, it was sort of the opposite of the, the conservatoire approach really yeah um, but I was still felt like I was like shit I'm about to play like a big solo in a big hall in Mexico or whatever it, I still felt like it was but it, but it was stuff that we'd arranged and made it into what we wanted if that yeah. makes any sense so yeah it kind of it was like a baptism of fire but it was brilliant like and I miss it a lot actually we had so we had such a laugh we had such a laugh in that quartet but they those girls had to get me through I mean a lot of the time I'd be in the wings kind of going <laughs> you know And we, do, we did like things like Friday night is music night in front you know with the BBC concert orchestra and stuff like that and we did yeah we did like some and like live on radio too like we did quite a lot of that kind of stuff and here's me kind of ex-drunk sort of panicking in a dressing room and then we'd do it and it was like I'd kind of worked the sober muscle like I'd got over the feelings and like it hadn't killed me and it hadn't gone wrong and just the more I did that the stronger the muscle got I think but it was it but I couldn't have done that without sort of living it like I couldn't have just fixed it because people do email me sometimes because you know obviously I'm always wanging on about this so I've, yes. written, I've written articles and you know done documentaries and stuff and I get a lot of emails particularly from students saying yeah. how you know how did you fix it and it's like well I haven't because it's still because I still get really nervous but now you know my perspective is different I guess
0: Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite that's stamps.com code program i mean you probably know more than anyone i mean there's
1: probably more more people than we know are are suffering Mm. in the industry or maybe they just they take beta blockers maybe it's it's as simple as that or not to say that's simple but um but there might you know there's because there's such high pressure things definitely sessions yeah all sorts um yeah. Is it is it a much bigger issue than, than we acknowledge?
3: I I think it's just... Start, I think people are just starting to have the conversations now. I feel like it's much less of a taboo subject in the last, like, two or three years, I think. Right. But I think it's... Yes. I mean, I am approached by people anonymously, or not anonymously, but, like, please don't tell anyone, confidentially... Um, yeah every time that I do anything public or I write something, people that I would not expect, like people who look, people who are successful and look like they're killing it at work, and you think, God, they're good, you know. And those people, everyone has struggled with it at some point, I think, or different yeah. versions of it. And people have their coping mechanisms that work. Obviously mine, because I'm also an addict, like the kind, everything's sort of the demise was really quick and intense and I've had to get different coping mechanisms. But I think some people, I mean, the beta blocker thing, I mean, how would you ever know, you know, who's taking beta blockers? And actually I do know somebody, um, whose name I won't mention actually, but I'm sure he, he doesn't play anymore, but I remember he used to do sessions and he kind of went down the line of, um, musicians that he was sitting in his section and said, I'm on, I'm, I've had a beta blocker for this. as anyone else? And people went, yeah, I have, I have. I had like a load of people admit mm. in the moment. I don't know why they did that, but he said, he'll never forget it. It was like, oh, okay. I'm not the only person that's bricking it about yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but yes. it's just like, it's, you, people don't want to say, and, and actually people are shocked when I say like, pe- you know, if I quite often say, God, I'm so nervous. That was so nerve wracking. People go, oh, really? You know, sometimes they get a bit bristly because I think they think it's catching, or if you admit how scary it is, it might like mess with their mojo. Do you know what it... like? It's yeah, it's a bit strange. Um, and also, I think there's like a lot of the uh, treatment of performance anxiety is like there's a lot of sporting metaphors and like positive mm. mental attitude, and it's all it's quite like um, what's the word? Like macho in a way, yeah. Um, and it's a bit kind showboaty. Of, Yes, yeah, a bit showboaty and a bit sort of like results orientated rather than mm. it's a little bit learning how to like accept it and live with it is a different thing mm. and it's not popular. It's it sort of seems counterintuitive to welcome a shit ton of horrible chemicals into your body and sort of go, how am I going to work with this? Like, mm. how if I've got a bow shake, how can I like shake? Like, I remember Kirsty's teacher used to say to her, let it shake, let it, sh-, you know. And, shake more. Yeah, shake more, uh, yeah, shake yeah. more because the kind Do of, the, the impulse to kind of, like, hide it and be rigid. Yeah. It's, but, but that's yeah. all, but that but for me, that's all about um, perpetuating this version of ourselves that we're trying to portray. Like, Absolutely. You know, rather than saying, you know, it it's it's a chemical thing. We're a li- we're living breathing organisms, and like in front of lots of people, not wanting to humiliate ourselves, we want to d- deliver escapism to an audience, and also showcase all our kind of talent and like do justice to the music that we're playing. It's like it's a big ask, yeah. and it seems yeah. ridiculous to me in this day and age that we can't go fucking hell. My body's doing a thing yeah. right now, and it's really uncomfortable. And I just think the conversation has to be a bit different but I don't know yeah I don't
2: know because it's is so that. isolating isn't it it's a very anxi- Definitely. Uh, anxiety is a very isolating thing and I remember going through a massive six-week period of having terrible bow shakes on and off um and, and just being so aware thinking everyone can hear this it's awful mm. they're all going to be thinking she's got no nerve and she's yeah. rubbish and this is the end of my career and so yeah. many of the things yeah. you were saying rang true for me about that whole that thing of oh god well that's it now then Uh, but it was so brilliant because I spoke to somebody else who suffered from anxiety and this is the thing if you talk to other people so many other people have been through it that actually open up that conversation and suddenly you're in this different world of just being like okay it's okay because other people have felt this too and as soon as I realized that it got started getting better
3: of course but also that's the other thing is, is that if you don't talk to anyone you're trying to fix it with your own broken bit of apparatus mm. between your ears, like, that you're not, you're yeah. not teachable and you're not um, hearing any information about anything because it's like, oh, God, no, I must maintain, you know, um, what's, I, like, I, composure. And mm. I think you sort of, I'm, I'm all for kind of losing your shit a bit publicly yeah. <laughs> because that, I, just, I just find that a bit of a relief, to yeah. be honest. Um, yeah. But I know that's not everybody's approach.
1: And but it's it's real. It's a real reaction. It is a real it? reaction. And it's it's the opposite of what what you were doing before, where you're lying to yourself all the time. Exactly. It's like just just let it out. Be honest. Yeah. This is what happens. But it's mm. difficult, isn't and it? People. Yeah. Because I mean, to, to
3: be to not like i do sometimes get this thing of like especially when i've talked especially immediately after i've talked about it publicly i think fucking hell i wish i wasn't this messy like, i'm so messy <laughs> <laughs> and, and and when i drank when i drank it was so good at just being like shutting me off like it would just kind of shut everything down and i could sort of act as if and now mm. it, it, it feels like the and the older i get and the less the less fucks i give as well like Especially since I've had children, it's so much. It seems more important to me to be authentic, but then yeah. that feels like there's a. It's a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like it takes up a. It takes up more space to sort of bang yeah. on about this. Um,
2: but thank goodness but, you are.
3: <laughs> well, well, well. I think people have said to me like, because so many people thank me as well. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. And the fact that people do email me and say, oh my God, I've got my final recital. Or I remember one woman actually ringing me and she was about to go on stage to do a prom. She got my number from somebody and she was like, how am I going to do it? You know, and we had the really long conversation. And so I feel like, and also because of what's happened to me with my alcoholism, I read this novel by this amazing Irish writer called Marianne Keyes about two Mm. years before I got sober. She outed herself publicly that she was an alcoholic. She wrote about alcoholism. And like that was, that book sort of got me into recovery. If I hadn't read that, I could have been out there for 10 more years. I don't know, but I just feel like it's important to share the stuff, even though sometimes I get mortally embarrassed about sharing the stuff. But I think it's, I feel like it's like almost a sort of um, my duty in a way to kind of Mm. say, actually, you can, even if you're terribly anxious and you're suffering from panic attacks and horrible bodily sensations on stage, it is possible not to medicate it. Because I don't take, I can't take beta blockers because they're mind altering for me. So yeah. I don't take anything. So it's just me and my adrenaline whenever I play anywhere. And it is possible to do it without, you know, um, going bonkers or stopping. Like so many people just, they don't, they they, they say, well, this isn't this this is the career for me. Mm. And it's such a shame. Yeah. Um, I know loads of people that don't do it anymore because it's just too stressful. So yeah, I, that's why I kind of, go on about it really
1: yeah. <laughs> it seems it seems to me that like you're the only the only person i could think of that, that does acknowledge it and and
2: really um, yeah i
1: i think i so. i i looked up on google just uh, you know orchestras uk yeah. alcoholism and
3: well i'm not in that sector though really if I if I was in a symphony orchestra representing a symphony orchestra, then I probably wouldn't because I'm freelance. It doesn't matter if I talk about myself, does it? But I guess if I worked for an organisation, I couldn't be this open. Maybe I don't know.
1: Maybe, but but the, I mean, the, the top result is is you. Oh. talking about
2: yes.
1: it. Yes, Winning. get um, you in. <laughs> your, your your guardian, your guardian. My guardian article, article you wrote. yeah. Um, very well written. Thank you um, ever
3: yeah. so much. A <laughs> long time ago. But now.
1: yeah, the, there's there's a few different things, but it the. Well, it just I, it doesn't seem to be acknowledged very much, and and I I just know I've I've seen it you know firsthand, and yeah. I've seen some you know horrible things over the years, and and you know I know people that that have you know aren't here anymore because of it. Yeah. Um, Me too. And yeah, and it, it's it's such a sad thing, and I don't know. I, I think um, lots more could be done to to, to talk about it, and there should be more. I don't know, that, you know. It's So great that you're talking about it, mm. but um, I think there should be more of a conversation,
3: yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm a trustee of a charity called Music Support, yes. Oh, so, yeah, so Music Support, I mean, it, is, it's run by chaps that have worked in the rock and roll industry, yes. Yeah. There aren't many class. I mean, I'm the sort of classical ish I mean, I, I, representative there, um, and they and they. they we were talking about how difficult it is to have that conversation in the classical sector, and I don't, I don't quite know why why it's not more talked about. No. Because there are the other resources are there, like you know, there's help musicians, there's there's that there are people that you can talk to about this. But I don't know if it's like the fear, because obviously there's not enough work to go around. Like a lot of the work that I do is like session work, which you know, like it's fiercely competitive, yeah. isn't it? So you don't want to be the one losing that work i guess
1: yeah i don't know what it is the mu have got a page of you know a well well-being page it's called yeah. it. and it's it's got you know fantastic advice lots of links i i just don't know if that's the sort of place you would You'd think go. of going to no exactly um i'm thinking of like you know one orchestra that i play with and they, they now have a zero tolerance um um what do you call it um policy yeah. about drinking uh, for anyone drinking yeah because it's it's been bad over the years um and what it what it leads to is is that people still do it and it's it's almost like a rebellious thing they just keep doing it they go to a different pub um and and it's um i don't know that 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 um approach with that that response yeah the, the sort of zero tolerance you'll lose your job yeah that's that's not really going to help anyone Well, it's not going to help someone
3: with with an addiction
1: because it's a a mental illness it's a mental illness but I think
3: that's the bit that's misunderstood about addiction is that it is an illness and actually I mean I've already said like that there's so much of my denial and like just even the fact that people were going right you've got a mental illness I was like I don't know I don't want to be mental (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. don't want to be like anything but that like I really that the, I felt so much kind of shame and so, and stigma and now I mean obviously so I'm a long time in now I'm really comfortable saying that I am not mentally well unless I do a lot of things and I just think also I'm quite young like I'm 36 and I got in when I was 23 there's a whole generation of musicians that would be, be the, sometimes they say God, you know saw you on the telly last night talking about you know and they sort of make a yeah. face like Jesus Christ you know that was uh, risky or you know and i think maybe it's a may, might be a generational thing as well yeah. Just like the, and and the british thing the stiff upper lip thing i don't know and also i hate to say, i hate to sound like a sexist here but men are not good at talking to each other about their feelings are they like can you imagine you know no generally no. <laughs> I mean, no, maybe that's, really. a, that's a sweeping generalization i'm so sorry men because gen- i know it's m- not all men but You know, so so a lot of like people that are older men, sort of. There's like a macho culture. It's it's like admitting vulnerability and admitting weakness, whilst you're also trying to like smack out a solo in the back of a symphony. It sort of feels like
1: you can't do it. in the, you know, I'm I'm a brass player so of course. so I wasn't so gonna say brass- I
3: wasn't gonna mention the brass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, but the, that's you know, very brass- good of you, Rachel.
3: I know. i Left you to bring that up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, brass players are predominantly male, that's a whole yeah. other issue. Yeah. Um but um the way men th- their form of talking to each other is going to the pub and having a pint. Of course. So yeah, and that, and that and we think oh we, we've we've got stuff off our chest. Well, we haven't. We've just talked about um, yeah. football, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> is that what <laughs> actually? I
3: always hope that that's not what's really happening, but it does. But it is, isn't it? <laughs> it
0: is. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, but, but on the other side of it, we talk about philosophy as well. well of but, course, yeah. um The other side of it is that like there's a meeting in the centre of town at like five thirty that is like. I bump into loads of other musicians between shows and doing a rehearsal, and con- like I, so. There, so there are people that, but, but it's a very kind of. I would never like. Well, that's the thing about it being anonymous is that you don't out someone else. You can say that you're in recovery, but you can't say somebody else is in yeah. recovery. And yeah, um, but you know, I see more and more of us kind of in the rooms now, which well, is that's amazing. heartening. Yeah. yeah, it's really heartening, and also it's just like less lonely because you do feel a bit it's very it is very isolating and and also just the the culture of like that's what everybody does is that like they go for a drink and you feel yeah. like you're the only one like when touring's really hard like I don't tour anymore obviously I don't talk because I've got yeah. like tiny kids but I did do a little like trip recently only for like four days but I was knackered when I got back just from the exertion of just being like around alcohol the whole yeah. time like on the bus at the venue, um. You Know everyone drinking when we got back on the plane, all of it. I was just like, Oh, god, this is so tiring! Yeah, so that was that's quite tough. But like, that's I'm lucky that I don't have to tour loads because I mean, I say that now in lockdown. I'm actually worried I'm never going <laughs> to yeah. play the cello ever again,
2: but, <laughs> no, exactly. Um, <laughs> Suddenly, <you> know, <laughs> touring seems okay, so much okay, more tempting. Oh my god, exactly, <laughs> if, anyone,
3: if anyone's got a tour, I'll still tour. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, it, is, it is quite isolating but i don't know what i don't know i wish i knew what the answer was but i do think like the conservatoires now have a duty to tell musicians what it's like to like to, or to teach some kind of like performance resilience training yeah totally. or, or like um I don't know how that would look, but i I feel like I really want to go and talk to students about Well I was gonna this. say have you
2: been invited into any conservatoires to come and chat?
3: Well you'd think so, wouldn't you? But Well, yeah, <laughs> you would. <laughs> uh, actually, actually just before lockdown I was invited to two, but that but that's as part of my work with music support. So right. I kind of went under that umbrella. Um yeah and i don't oh, even know on what guys, i'd say get her in. oh well in. well they're all on zoom all those students right now aren't they, <laughs> yeah. they even, they're not going in bless them yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> but um yeah i i think i think cuz i cuz that's when i needed it i needed someone to say to me cuz people so, try to be helpful and obviously i've got musician parents who would like love me dearly and tried yeah. really hard to be understanding and but they just they, they didn't experience the fear at the same level as me so they'd say things that now make total sense which is like can you just really absorb yourself in the music and i'd be like no i can't even see the music like i feel so sick there are black spots scudding before my eyes like i can't even see the music like what are you talking about i was just so and then that kind of made me feel worse in a way cuz it was like god I, even my own parents can't like they don't understand this i can't i can't you know i felt and they were desperately trying to help me. Um, so I don't know what the question was. I've completely gone off. I've lost what would my you say? What would head. you what say, say in these
2: conservatoires?
3: So much. I'd have so much to say. Um, <laughs> I just kind of... I. I know that the fight and flight thing is something that's talked about a lot now. Mm. But... I don't think people realise, like, just how powerful it can be on your body, like, what it can make your body do. And also just things to do, like, you know, don't have a cappuccino before a concert. Like, just, like, really basic stuff. Like, stuff that, like... You know those people that go for a curry between a rehearsal yeah. and a gig?
1: What the... <laughs> f- yeah, that's, that's us <laughs> brass players. <laughs>
3: that is brass players. It's loads of people, like, even, like, going for a massive meal. That that would make... i si- do that to fit in and then feel sick and nervous that was going to be sick all the way through the concert. Yeah. So then I've stopped doing that and voila, that problem has gone away. Things like that. Yeah.
2: Um, and I just remember know. on that note, I remember oh, yeah. one. I, I, you know, um, oh, God, what's that place called? I can't believe I've forgotten what it's called. Uh, with, where they sell monkey fingers. What's it called? Oh, uh,
1: what ma- meat, meat, meat Market. Meat
2: Market. Oh, my God. I yeah. will never Garden. forget eating... Those just like monkey fingers, which are basically chicken fried in everything and like in some sauce, at about twenty-five minutes past seven, just before the start for show, and I mean, I went through all kinds of pain in the first half. It really? was oh, heinous. You. Oh yes, yeah. sweats, meat sweats. Oh, uh, I thought I was going to yeah, sick. I thought vinegary, I was going to
1: cry. Uh, buffalo sauce sweat. That it? was it. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, if only I could talk to myself yourself, then.
3: Exactly, just don't, like, don't scupper yourself. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, sometimes you can, like, have food poisoning, can't you? And that's just, like, that's just unlucky. But yeah. Yeah. just things like taking care, taking care of your body, which, I mean, I used... Because I was so frightened of eating when I first sobered up. I just... Sometimes the quartet wouldn't go on stage till, like, half nine. So I wouldn't eat until half ten, like, all day. Like, oh, I was so yeah. frightened of eating. So, like, you know, obviously it can go to either extreme. But just yeah. things about sort of, like... Having information about what's going on and how to welcome it and not reject it. Physical things like I don't wear, I don't play the cello in high heels ever mm. because I mm. want my feet to be on the ground. I want to feel rooted to the ground. I don't wear anything that's like tight around my waist or like would, you know, I, I make yeah. I see my body as comfortable as I possibly can so that I can just concentrate on what's happening in front of me rather than be thinking like because your brain sort of plays tricks and you know it's like if you you know when you do things from memory that you know mm. and then your brain goes in the concert it goes do you know this next bit oh. it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah i do yeah.
1: Oh, oh, fuck.
2: oh
3: no i don't know it well, like, are you gonna make are you, are you gonna make this shift are you gonna make this shift like <laughs> yeah. did you ever do did you ever do charlie in the chocolate factory yeah. It's oh, like, I know. It's oh, exactly it's the so, one you mean. <laughs> it's the shit and it's, and it's like, whether it went well or not was basically what my brain said yeah. just before. It's like, oh, you're not going to make it. Whoa, fuck, I missed it. Like, it, yep. that's <sighs> just kind of being, sort of knowing what your brain's going to do. I mean, so much of it is about experience as well. Mm. And, you know, but, and also anything that makes you, for me, like anything that takes me out of the kind of me, 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 thing Mm. playing wise like it's not about me like I'm a cog in a wheel yeah I'm not the most important thing and it's much more important that the people I play with have a nice time playing with me exactly yeah so I approaching it with a bit of sort of I don't know I want to say humility but if you say that you're humble you're not humble are you but just (laughs) (laughs) but just like just listening to like so if like going into a pit and just like knowing like listening to the person next to you and yeah trying to kind of do what they do rather than be like this is what I do Mm -hmm. you know that all of that stuff kind of takes me out of self and and it's much more joyous isn't it as well I think I think so but I think because the fear is so bad and the and it's so kind of ego based what we do Mm. you can get so stuck in that thing of like I want people to think that I'm great (laughs) so I must do this and that's I think that's a trap if you're you know for for someone like me I mean, some people, I think, are just, like, blithely unaffected, aren't they? You know those people that just kind of, like, whop solos out as if it's nothing? Like,
2: I know loads of those people i always try and channel those people Uh, me too
0: (laughs) yeah i pretend
2: i'm them but i just think that they don't have they don't have the same internal
3: chatter that i have like i've got a noisy head
1: i've got such a noisy head they're all good tips anyway just just to learn whether you suffer from performance anxiety or not it's all those real world skills that you real world skills i didn't think i had
2: any of those that's nice thanks yeah That that can be your tagline when you do go in and lecture these people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Rachel Lander. When I'm a keynote speaker. Yeah, right. Rachel Lander, real world. Real Real world world skills. skills. (laughs) In brackets, humble. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, wow, there we go. That was Rachel. Thank oh, you.
2: Yes, thank you so much. I, do you know what? She's just so brilliant to listen to because, like, regardless whether whether you've struggled with problems with alcohol or drugs in the past or anxiety, I just think that everything she's got to say is is really pertinent. Anyway, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, she's um she's got a really good speaking voice. She writes really well. Have a look at her um her articles she's written. She's she's got um one she wrote for the Guardian and she's also got a a blog on her website. Um she's got a section in of her website called writing and uh there's a really great um piece she wrote about um working at Glastonbury and mm. having to deal with um going to a music festival and not drinking. Yeah. Um, it, cuz it's such a triggering atmosphere there God, playing on that the pyramid must be stage. So
2: hard. So hard.
1: Yeah. I mean how many people are, are watching the pyramid stage it's 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 like 150,000 people or something isn't yeah,
2: it? Yeah. Rather a lot. It's
1: it, it's, it's <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. And the the adrenaline and the, the such a rush and you know it, it's it's one of those pl- times where where you can you can come off and you you need to have a drink or Yeah. And uh she's um You know, she's had to to deal with what it's like to to do those sort of situations. So it's a really good read. If you, um, yeah, if you've got a bit of time, you want to have a little read of something. It's very interesting. Um, So yeah, um, so if you are if you feel like you are affected by any of these issues, then um, I guess the a good place to go is this um, MU website, which um, which lists loads of different links on it
2: yeah there is there's also to the charity that she's a patron of which is uh music support uk there's a link in the in the show notes for that as well
1: yeah so there's links um, to both of those yeah. um so check those out and um i think it's really it's really healthy for us all to talk about this kind of thing oh, because totally. performance anxiety and any kind of anxiety that we feel, any, any sort of mental health issues, I don't really remember talking about it too much at, at college. No. And these things can just get amplified, uh, especially if if you don't talk about it to others. It just,
2: it's very you know, it isolating. It can build up in your own mind. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think so many of us have been through it and, and yeah. you just feel like you you're the only person with that problem and it just makes it so much worse, doesn't it? So, yeah, it's great that she's talking about it. I felt like a sort of a release after, after we talked to her in the interview. It really, lots of things came up in my mind that she was discussing. I thought... God, yeah. If only at that time in my life I could have gone back and chatted to somebody, would have had a much easier ride, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's so many things that we do in our industry that are sort of ingrained—the drinking in the afternoons—and the I, I think it's it's it is changing a bit, but then there are, it does still happen. People yeah. will go for drinks after morning rehearsals, or they'll go yeah. before a morning rehearsal. Some yeah. people. Um, before concerts but it, it happens uh, and it's easy to get kind of sucked into that those habits i think
2: yeah i really think so and and for some people i mean it's not great for anyone but it could be really dangerous for some people so yeah, yeah it's great right. to have this conversation now i'd say
1: it is yes, yes it is um, <laughs> so thank you rachel and uh yeah thanks for for listening to us uh this week and yeah. um yeah um what, uh, what, what have you been up to this week, Verity? Huh.
2: Well, do you know what? Yesterday I yeah. played a symphony in a park. I played oh, what? 4 Jack 9 in Greenwich Park and it was blooming glorious, I tell you. Oh, there wow. was an audience, an impromptu audience, people just sort of wondering yeah. why. We had about 100 people listening. Oh, my God, it was amazing playing with people in the flesh. So oh. nice.
1: That's so good. Yeah. I saw a video of it on Facebook. Oh, it, did uh, you? Yeah. Sa- it sounds really good actually. Surprisingly so. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was felt a bit that...
2: overwhelmed. I was just looking at people like I could you know, so many faces. I haven't seen that many people I know in such a long time all in one space. I felt yeah, yeah I was just staring like a creep.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. Did yeah. you all sort of cheer at the end?
2: We it's stood what? up and took a blimming bow. Oh. It like, was like real life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so nice.
2: Yeah, it was really nice. So, yeah, that, that was a real high point in this week. How
0: about you? Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, I played with some people this week. We did yeah. a, um, Old Dirty Brassheads. We had a uh, video we filmed this week.
0: <gasps> oh, yes. Which, um,
1: it, um, it was, it, so it was for a Durham Brass Festival, um, cause it, it couldn't happen this year, but we filmed a, a sort of thing for their online content. Um,
2: Brilliant. so we
1: did a half hour long set of, of the eight singles that we're, we're releasing at the moment. Oh. So yeah, we, we did that at Bush hall and, uh, it was, it's funny cause like we, um, we, we knew that, um, BBC news were coming cause to, to film something with, um, Oh, what's the cellist's name? Um, Oh, I need to look it up.
2: Got any... She came and... Oh, it's it's a she? Natalie Klein? Yeah.
1: She no. sings. She sings oh. and plays.
2: Oh. Uh... Hmm. Not Laura Moody? No.
1: No. Not her. Uh, her name is... Ayana Witter Johnson.
2: Oh! I've not heard of her. her. No, I oh. haven't... But I'll look her up.
1: Yeah, look her up. Uh, was she, um... Well, she was there being interviewed and, um... Betsy, the manager of Bush Hall. Mm-hmm. Um so we were just like, oh we'll just get out of the way um for that bit. But the BBC filmed us and then we were on the BBC uh, news yeah. at six and news at ten.
2: That's amazing.
1: Which um uh, it was just like from from my perspective, it was like, well, I went out, did some work, played with some people, and then obviously we were on the news because that's uh. like that was my news, so it just felt totally like well, yeah. Obviously, we got on the news.
2: Truman Show. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was like that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so great! It, it feels strange at the, at the moment because there's I see sort of pictures of um, like orchestras meeting up finally and rehearsing, but they're they're really distancing like mm. like three meters, and and there's people you know complaining that that orchestras aren't allowed to some like uh, like amateur orchestras aren't allowed to do anything professional orchestras can mm. um w- we met up and we we distanced at one meter yeah um but then some people are using very s- even stricter rules like you know three meters so there's yeah. a there's a really strange thing at the moment of, of what we can do
2: yeah absolutely i've it's very unclear i think and it's
1: really unclear yeah, yeah. so it there's all sorts of confidence. stuff going on yeah yeah it doesn't also, um, uh, outdoor concerts are allowed from today.
2: Yeah, but I mean...
1: Which um, would have been nice great. to have a bit of warning, well, right? Well, this
2: is it, right? Exactly. So that's a great in theory, isn't it? But, I mean, which massive companies can get something together, like, you know, at the drop of a hat? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Because, like, if Regent's Park Theatre had known a bit in advance, maybe they could have yeah. done more? Or it's just... It doesn't really mean anything, does it? That's no. my cynical... That's my stim- cynical stance on this. I'm afraid. But um,
1: it's all going in in a positive direction. Yeah, it is.
2: It is. Yeah. yeah
1: so um, so it's good and just nice that we we were both able to go out and play with people. I know. Yeah. Well, uh, f- I don't know. That that's probably it for this week, isn't it? I we think can, it uh,
2: is. Yeah. We can
1: let um, we can let others let everyone go now. Yeah. And uh, yeah.
2: Get on Class with your week. dismissed. <laughs> Class dismissed. Thank you
1: for listening to this one. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it and um yeah check out the show notes uh and as always check out our spotify playlist
2: yeah um
1: the link to that is down below there's some really good tunes in that um like and subscribe, please. Oh, and go on. Tell your friends, please share yeah. this podcast. The best thing, like, it would do us such a favour. We, we would love it so much. <laughs> if you could just retweet it or just tell a friend, text someone, yeah. text your parents, text your, your friends, your, your neighbours. Tell just
2: the postman when they come to the door. You know, yeah. anyone. Just
1: please help us out. <laughs> um, it will it, cost you nothing, but it will really help us and uh you know otherwise what what are we doing this for oh, doesn't matter it doesn't matter
2: does
1: it? no no, no. we got we, we enjoy doing it so uh, yeah that's all we need
2: that's right it it's for the art
1: it's for the oh. art of it yeah yeah just doing it doing a thing yeah. um right anyway well i'm gonna go gonna yeah go come now. on
2: then so
1: uh thank you so much and we'll see you next week
2: bye
1: bye